Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. As you probably know, our theme for this year is consecration. Being set apart by God and and for God. And so Mark has asked me as we prepare our hearts for Easter to meditate upon what it means to set our lives apart, to lay down our lives for, for God, to follow Jesus in taking up our cross in our day-to-day life. And that's the call that Jesus put upon us. He said, if you want to be one of my disciples, take up a cross and, and follow after me. I'm going to look at a couple of incidences related to Good Friday to uh, help us to focus on consecration as we prepare for Easter this year. You might have seen a woman lay down her life for Christ to take up the cross in Myanmar in the last couple of weeks. There's a, a sister at a, or a nun who positioned herself between the troops and the protesters, a very brave thing in itself. And she, with tears, said to the soldiers, or she said to the protesters, go home, please go home. And she turned and said to the soldiers, please don't shoot the children. Please don't shoot the children. And then she said, shoot me, not the children. And the impact of her testimony is that while she was there, there was no violence. And when she left, the military opened fire on on the crowds. But I don't know about you, but I'm a long way from having that sort of sacrificial life, that sort of willingness to lay down my life to take up my cross in following Jesus. I find sometimes that even in the, the simplest situations, like with a hairdresser, you know, a hairdresser asking, what do you do? Uh, it's a bit different with me because if people ask me, what do I do? It's a dead giveaway, I'm a Christian. You know, I'm a lecturer at a Bible college. Uh, and, and so sometimes I have to confess, I'm, I'm a little, I just hesitant, like I'm not sure I want to go that deep that quickly to, to broach the subject of, of my faith with that. And tradesmen, they come to your home. And, I mean, usually I manage to do it, but I, but I have to confess, sometimes I'm, I'm just that little bit reluctant to take up my cross and to be a witness to Jesus. I'm a little bit inclined to deny rather than speak. And by denial, I want us to think not just of actually saying, no, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but it broadening that slightly and in terms of the idea that we can deny Christ by word, certainly, but we can also deny Christ by our silence. We can deny Christ by a deed, we can do things that bring dishonour to him, or we can deny Christ by not doing something that we should do. This is really complicated for Christians in the workplace these days. We were at the Faith and Work uh, conference that the City Bible Forum put on a couple of weeks ago. And I was struck as these young people shared how difficult it was to work in many institutions, many organisations now, where the identity politics is now such a prevalent part of business life. Uh, There was once a time when your opinion on, say, abortion or euthanasia or your opinion on same-sex marriage or gender transition, so people changing their genders, was a matter of opinion that you could agree with or or not agree with. For many young people in workplaces today, that has changed. 
that their opinion about abortion, their opinion about euthanasia, their opinion about gender transition, their opinion about same-sex marriage is no longer a matter of opinion, it's a matter of right and wrong, and they are in the wrong, usually, if they're going to not deny their Christian faith. And so it's very easy in those circumstances to deny their faith, not necessarily come out and say, I'm not a Christian, but to, to be silent rather than to, to speak, to, to deny Christ not just by their actions but by their, their inactions. But it's not just workplaces, we can deny Jesus in our family. When we say things we shouldn't say that dishonour him and we don't do the things that we should do in our family life, we are in a way denying the fact that we're a disciple of Jesus Christ by our words and our deeds. And we can do it in, in, our, in our social groups, we can do it amongst our friends and we can even do it in our churches. We can deny Christ by the words we say and by the words we don't say, the actions we take and sometimes the actions that we don't take. Of course, there is a very famous denial in the Bible and it occurs right after Jesus has been arrested and before he is crucified. And uh, you might uh, know the story from Mark chapter 14 where Peter disowns Jesus. So Jesus has been arrested, he's been taken to the, uh, into the centre of Jerusalem, he's before the Sanhedrin and we read in verse 66, while Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene, Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you are one of them for you are a Galilean. And he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I, do, I don't know this man you are talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. If that denial isn't bad enough and dramatic enough, as Peter denies Jesus three times, it's, it's made all the worse by, by what had happened that same day, earlier in the day. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus had predicted what was going to happen in, in chapter 14, verse 27. Uh, Jesus says, you will all fall away, in verse 27. And Jesus told them, for, for it is written... I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared famously, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. 
Yet that is exactly what he did. It's a humiliating event and it's made all the more interesting by the fact that Mark likely drew his information about Jesus' life, Mark wasn't one of the disciples, probably likely drew it from Peter. There's a number of situations in the Gospel of Mark where where the information could only have come from Peter and this is probably one of them. And so Peter here is deliberately highlighting his failure. And Peter was going to be one of the leaders of the church. And here, his very denial of Jesus is highlighted. And it shows one of the key issues related to our inclination to deny Jesus, and that's isolation. Peter had actually been braver than the other disciples in that they'd all scattered, it says, and presumably they all went home or they're all still hiding up on the Mount of Olives when Jesus was arrested. But at least Peter followed Jesus to the Sanhedrin and he was sort of downstairs sort of trying to to keep low, but he he was at least there. But all it took was a servant girl to unstitch him. And in in the the society of the time, that was the lowest form of humanity there was. Not only was she a woman, but she was a slave. In fact, Peter says she was a young woman and a young slave. Yet it was just the question from this young woman slave which Peter found impossible to resist. And so he denied Jesus. And that is exactly the same with us. The reason we are likely to deny Jesus by our words or silence, by our actions or inactions, is when we sense we are isolated, when we are cut off from the body of believers. That is when we are vulnerable to deny Jesus. And that's so important that when we go into our front lines, when you go to work tomorrow, when you go to your club, when you go to your group of non-Christian friends, that you don't have the sense you go alone, but you go with the blessing and the commissioning of this whole church. We all go with you into that place. Be aware that you are not isolated, that you are not alone, that there are others praying for you. And this is why it's really good for us to share about our front lines. When you get together with other Christians, don't just talk about the weather. Talk about your front line. Talk about the difficulties you're facing. Talk about the temptations you face to deny Jesus and take courage and support from the knowledge that you're part of a whole body of Christians who are doing similar things next week. Not to compare ministering in the front lines to being martyred, martyred, but it does make an interesting comparison. Like you look at the martyrs and you look at the torture they went through and and still do all around the world. As we speak this morning, there are people being martyred for their Christian faith. And and I don't know about you, I sometimes go, I don't know that I could stand that. I don't know if I would have the the strength to be able to face torture and, and death for my faith. But one of the reasons they were able to do it and one of the reasons they are able to do it now is they have this sense they're not doing it alone. And through the Middle Ages, there was a very firm commitment from the church that if somebody was was being martyred, that the other believers went and stood in the crowd with them. 
And it became such a, a part of the ritual, this sense that if you are arrested, if you are tortured, if you are taken to be martyred, you're not going to be alone. Your brothers and sisters are going to come out and support you. And, and the, the ritual grew in the, in the 15th century in Germany when the martyrs were being burned and, and tortured, they would hold two fingers up. And it was their way of acknowledging to the other believers who they knew were there with them that the pain was bearable, that I could do this. And that's the tradition we stand in when you go to your front line, when you're tempted to deny your faith. You know you stand in the tradition and your, your church is with you and your life together group is with you. And hopefully even you'll have some of your other Christians who you've got to know in your workplace or through a city Bible forum prayer group, you'll go forward knowing that you're not alone. You're not isolated the way that Peter felt isolated. The other thing we can observe about Peter's denial here is that it got worse, didn't it? It sort of started out with this little denial to this little servant girl and then spread to a more, no, I don't know him. And then finally Peter calls down curses and boldly declares as he sort of moves out from away, as he moves further away from Jesus into the darkness. The, the denials become bigger and bigger and stronger. And it's the same with us, that the first denial is the most difficult. But then it gets easier, doesn't it? And it, not only does it get easier to deny Jesus after you, the more you do it, it's more difficult to declare allegiance because of the denials you've made through your words or silence, through your actions or your inactions. And so we need that, that strength in recognising that that first opportunity to make a stand, that first opportunity to declare our allegiance to Jesus is so critical because it will set the pattern of our future interactions with those people. But of course, the overwhelming thing we've got to recognise in the denials of Peter, Peter was that he simply chose to deny Jesus rather than to deny himself. He was too concerned with self-preservation to lay down his life. He refused to take up his cross because he was more concerned with his safety. And it's hard and it's painful, but that's what it boils down to. Will we deny ourselves and our careers and our reputation? Or will we deny Jesus? And our call is to lay down our lives, pick up our crosses and follow Jesus. And Peter was not able to do that. And sometimes we're not able to do it either. If the story ended there, it'd be pretty sad, wouldn't it? You're pretty depressed already. But the story doesn't end there, does it? And John records wonderfully that after the resurrection, Jesus appears to the disciples. The disciples are not sure what to do, so they go back to their business. Peter and his brother Andrew go back to the Lake of Galilee, start catching fish. What else do we do? We don't know what to do. And as they're catching fish, they're having a bad night. They've fished all night, they haven't caught anything. And somewhat reminiscent, somebody on the shore calls out, 
cast your net on the other side of the boat. And Peter and James, and Peter and Andrew probably said, we've heard that before somewhere, haven't we? But we fished all night, but we'll, we'll give it a whirl. And they throw their nets on the other side of the boat and they get a load full of fish. And they're, they're dragging these fish in and then suddenly somebody dawns, hey, that's Jesus. And as they arrive on the shore, there's this beautiful scene where Jesus has cooked them breakfast. It's, you know, the value of hospitality. You know, I think Christianity is all about hospitality. And here is Jesus just humbly, he's got there, he's lit the fire, he's made a lovely meal. Guys have been working all night, they're hungry, they're cold, I'll cook them some breakfast. And we, we read in verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I, I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all these things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Beautifully, Jesus three times recommissions John to match the three denials that, Jesus, that John had, or Peter had made on the night of his trial. And it was Jesus' way of saying to Peter, you failed three times, but my grace is sufficient for you. No matter how many times, if, if Peter had denied Jesus ten times, Jesus would have said ten times, feed my sheep. Jesus' way of demonstrating that failure is not the end of the road for Christians. The skit guys do a wonderful little skit that captures this moment and emphasises the grace of Jesus towards those who sometimes let him down. But I heard this voice, and the voice said, cast your net to the other side. And so I'm thinking, I'm a fisherman, I know what I'm doing, but I'm not catching any fish, you know. And so I throw that net over there, and then a gaggle of fish pop into that net, and I'm going, this is a total miracle. Who could have done that? I need to know who told me to throw the net to the other side. And boom, I look up, and I mean, there is you. You're looking at me on the seashore, going, it is I, the Lord, and you're alive. I can't believe you're alive. <laughs> this is awesome. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on. Peter. It's a, yeah. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. I love you. You're alive. This is so great. Good. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on, man. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? I love you. Yes. And I'm so sorry about that rooster clucking. I had no idea what that meant, but I do not. I'm better for it, all right? Okay. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, I'm smiling, but I'm serious. Come on, get out of the boat. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? Jesus. Mere words cannot describe the passion that I have for you. I love you. You know everything. I love you. Good. Good. Then feed my sheep. I didn't even know you had livestock. 
that is so like you, though. There's something new about you all the time. That's what I love about you. Peter, yeah. do you remember uh, the morning the ladies went to the tomb? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all in the upper room trying to figure out what to do next, you know, because we thought you were dead. You know, you were dead, you know, and we're trying to figure all that out, you know. And Mary comes running up, and Mary's like saying, beehive, beehive, beehive. And I'm thinking, I'm allergic to bees. Like, keep them out. You know what I'm saying? But as she kept getting closer, I heard her correctly. She was saying, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. And we're going, who's alive, who's alive? And she said, she was at the tomb, and the tomb was empty. And she said that the, there was an angel there, and the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay, he is risen. And so, me and John, we hightailed it down there, and if John says he beat me, he's totally lying, all right? I beat him, FYI, all right, you know? And we get down there, and I'm looking in that tomb, and it is, it is empty. There's nothing in there, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And John is right there. John is so good with words. He should write a book. He is so good with words. And John said, don't you get it, Peter? This is everything Jesus said he was going to do, and you did it, and it's done. Let's go. This is so great. Wait, yeah. the angel said what? Uh, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. You've risen. Let's go. This he is said what? Go tell the disciples and Peter. Go tell the disciples and Peter. You said my name. Why did you say my name? Peter, that's grace. No, no, I don't, I don't deserve that because that night people kept coming up to me asking me if I belonged to you, if I was with you, and I kept denying you left and right, all right? No, it'll take me my whole life to make up for what I did. It was unforgivable for no, what I did. No, What I did on the cross was meant to take what is unforgivable and make it forgivable. That's my grace. It's not about you. It's always about me. That's grace, Peter. The great news is that Peter learnt from what happened. Uh, you read in the book of Acts, Peter boldly proclaims his faith. The grace has transformed him and restored him and renewed him. In fact, legend has it that Peter eventually was arrested and rather than denying his faith, he was told he would be crucified. And as they went to crucify him, he said, I'm not worthy to die in the same way as my saviour. So he was crucified upside down. The power of, of forgiveness and restoration, which is open to us as well. As you head out to your front lines, uh, tomorrow. It's a fresh start. It's the beginning of the rest of your life. And if you have been denying Jesus up until this point, the opportunity exists to now turn that around, to announce boldly that you are a follower of Jesus and you're going to not deny him any longer in your words or silence, in your action or your inaction. And you do that not in your own strength, but in the strength of God and the strength of this community that sends you out to your front lines tomorrow. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace. As we've talked about all through this, this service, Lord, you, you don't write us off. The church shouldn't be in the business of shooting the wounded, but rehabilitating them and and sending them out again. 
And Lord, some of us have denied you in various places at various times during our lives with our, with our words and our silence, with our actions and our inactions. But Lord, we thank you that you forgive us the same way you forgave Peter. You forgive us and you recommission us this morning to go forth as a bold follower. And Lord, we pray you'll give us the strength through your spirit to no longer deny you, to take up our cross. But we also pray that the confidence we have from knowing we go with the strength of our brothers and sisters in Christ will enable us to go forth and to be bold witnesses of you as you deserve. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.